Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well. Big week in Nashville this week. Yes. The CMAs. CMA. CMA Awards. Always a crazy and wild and pretty exciting week. My brother came in from California. He and his wife, their first anniversary is, I think, next week. So they came in celebrating their first anniversary and he went to the CMAs. He took her to the CMAs. So... Well, that's exciting. Pretty cool stuff. That's pretty neat. I saw the uh, beginning montage, the all the yes, the the songs um, from kind of the set. I guess with Merle Haggard yeah. and well, not Merle, uh, Vince, but they did a right, Merle Haggard Vince song. Gale. Yeah, yeah, but it was Vince Gill and Merle mm-hmm. Haggard's son. Yes, and then um, Roy Clark. Yeah, I was yeah, surprised to was... see him. Roy Clark and Ricky Skaggs. Yep, who was there? Um, and yeah, yeah, Reba, lot, lots of others. Southern Baptist Alan Ricky Skaggs, by the way. Yes, yes, so. Southern Baptist Ricky Skaggs. First concert I attended. Oh. Um, I was seven. So. And, and there was also some baseball game this week. There was. was kind of a big I deal finish, to some people. I, I want to talk, talk about CMA Awards for just a second because okay. it was a really – last night was really a nostalgic night for me because – um, my grandmother, she loved um, country music and she loved watching Major League Baseball. Like that, she just, that's always what she did was look for a baseball game. And so last night watching all of those uh, singers, and she was a big Randy Travis fan. Mm-hmm. And so that whole moment where they're all singing yeah. his song and he comes out and sings after he's recovered from this stroke, um, so emotional. And then I turn around and I watch that World Series uh, game seven, and she would have just loved that game. And uh, man, I just, I, it was a neat, uh, it was a neat night. Very cool. Very cool. And, and yeah, yeah, it was a neat night. We have a lot of friends I know who are uh, big Chicago Cubs fans, and they're yeah. enjoying this quite a bit. Well, yeah. And, and here's the thing even for those of us who haven't been lifelong Cubs fans, yeah, unless you're fun. from, unless you're from Cleveland, everybody was a Cubs fan last night. <laughs> pretty so. much. Pretty much. Yeah. Or even I saw even some Cardinals fans tweeting congratulations to the Cubs, which blew my mind. Very so, nice. Very all right, nice. before we get started, want to thank our sponsor, Amy. You know what season it is, right? Or about to be, I guess. Christmas. Christmas. That's right. Advent season, yeah. and yeah. we have got a great sponsor this month to get us ready for Advent, and that is the book, The Expected One, by Scott James and B and H Publishers. Every Christmas, Christians all over the world celebrate the Advent season, recognizing the love, hope, joy, and peace. That is found only in Jesus Christ. Through this devotional, Scott James brings to light the many promises of Christ from birth to ascension that demonstrate his love for us during the Christmas season. These daily devotions, which are designed for both family and individual use, are timeless and moving reminders of the true gift of Christmas. So pick up your copy of The Expected One at Lifeway.com or Amazon.com or any Lifeway Christian store. And uh, you can get them in boxes of, I think, 20 uh, for $5 each. Check with your local Lifeway store. You guys do that deal yeah. with a lot of books, and I love it. It's great. it's great. It's great for churches because they can pick up, you know, for 100 bucks. I think it's 20 for $100, and you can get them yeah. and give them out to your uh, families in your church. It's a fantastic use of uh, a great devotional from Scott James. So pick that up. Check That's it out. Great. And that'll bring us to our news. And Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means? Cooperative program. Yes, but this month, Sadhorn, weren't weren't. Down two point seven three percent under the first month's projection. Yeah, and and we know that that can happen, but we've we've been this whole big hype every month. You know, it's a it's ahead, it's ahead, it's ahead. So this time it was two point seven three percent under the first month uh, projections. And if you get our data point, you would know that this is the first time in twenty four months that 
we are below our CP budgeted giving. Now we've we've had months that have come in under budget, but overall right. we were above. But I mean, last right. year only two months, June and December, came in below budget last year, and this month or this year we are already off to a below budget start. So a little surprising, yeah. little uncharacteristic. Uh, I'm I'm trying to do some digging on that to find out maybe exactly, you know, if there was an aberration or possibly a state yeah. that didn't report or something like that. So just trying to figure out, I'm trying to find out and uh, hopefully I'll have some more details on that next week for us. Right. Uh, but yeah, this is a, a little bit of a surprise. And, and honestly, I mean, this is kind of strange. I, I don't know if you'll uh, find this interesting, but I did. Uh, December and June are always the two lowest months of, uh, it typically of CP giving. And uh, is that because of uh, I have no idea. Lottie Moon? Lottie I, have no idea. Moon I don't think it has much December? to do with Lottie Moon. I think it has to do with yeah. uh, state budgets at the end of the year. Uh, I'm not uh, quite gotcha. sure about June. June may be just a drop in giving across the board in churches, therefore a drop in CP giving. Uh, but, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. So we'll have to keep an eye on this. We'll watch it next month and see what happens. And they mentioned, they mentioned in these releases that there are a lot of factors when state conventions forward their yes. contributions, day of the month that churches forward theirs, uh, number of Sundays in a given month, all of those things um, play into this. Yeah, there were five but, Sundays in October. So I, that one I didn't buy. Sorry. <laughs> don't mean okay. to be rude, but I was just like, yeah, no, that one's not going to work. Um, well, but as you as you reminded me when we were looking at this, that's a paragraph that goes in yes. every time yes. that explains that you have a lot of there factors. are aberrations. So they, right, so they play into it, and, and also I think there's only one state that actually provides the same consistent amount over the like they budget. This is how much we're going to give, right. and they pass it on regardless every month. And I think that's Florida. Uh, I know Florida does that. I think they are the only state uh, when I say that. Uh, that does okay. like a consistent amount. Everybody else, it fluctuates based on what they receive. So Florida is kind of, I think, one of the few states, if not the only, that give a flat amount every month that, that hits their projected budget amount. So okay. I have okay. to keep an eye on that. Well, so. Yeah, well, we'll watch it always beginning of every month. We, we look at this, but um, it's good to keep ourselves informed, to educate ourselves about this because, you know, we need to uh, to to keep watch on this so that we are continuing to give. Yes. And uh, something that we've kept watch on and seen a lot more of recently is uh, the uh, ethnic fellowships that are meeting yes. and uh, things coming out of that. We've talked about the Chinese, the Hmong, now the Hispanic fellowship. And they decided this past uh, week, they met in Wichita. Everybody, all the cool people were in Wichita last week, apparently. <laughs> um, that's where I was. Uh, but uh, they, they yeah. met in, uh, in Kansas. Yes. And, and they have decided to have their um, annual meeting in conjunction with the SBC annual meeting uh, this year coming into uh, Phoenix. Oh, fantastic. That's great. And this is, I mean, this is a really big group. Now, there were about 80 people at the sessions um, from 24 different churches. But this fellowship is a large group. Uh, it's been around since the mid-80s. And uh, it has about 3,500 churches across the U.S. It's a great reminder of how diverse the SBC is. You know, uh, right. we have a, about a million non-Anglo members of our denomination, which makes us probably the most diverse denomination. Yeah, and possibly moving their meeting to coincide, you know, in Phoenix, that might even up the the number of people yeah. who are able to attend. Uh, so, and there are a number of other meetings that are going on with uh, some Hispanic Baptist Pastors Alliance, things like that. 
that they can participate in as well. So it's it's very good. But this is exciting. Yeah, one other uh, SBC note before we move on to some other news in the States. Uh, the 500th anniversary kickoff, I, I guess you could say, happened this week for the Reformation. So uh, October 31st, 1517 was traditionally the start of the Reformation. The 500th right. year will uh, kind of kicked off this past week on, I guess, Halloween, right. Reformation Day and everything. Well, so, Halloween was... Yeah, Halloween was the 499th yes. anniversary, so now we're, yeah, we're in, in, in the year we're 500. In the 500th year yeah. of the Protestant Reformation. And there's going to be quite a few Reformation-themed uh, releases and uh, events from Southern Baptist Seminaries and Entities. ERLC has a uh, plan to publish various articles on the Reformation throughout the year. Guidestone will commemorate the Reformation with a special speaker in one of its employee chapel services. IMB uh, was going to be publishing articles related to it on the Reformation. And uh, also, uh, D- Dr. Platt will be speaking at a Reformation-themed conference in Germany uh, next year. And then Lifeway has got quite a few things going on. Uh, we've got a book coming out, Reformation 500, uh, the essays on the Reformation that include topics such, such as art, literature, education, culture, politics, music, theology, church life, and Baptist history. Uh, just all kind of things. You know, Lifeway's got a lot just from the resource side coming. And then the seminaries, uh, Southeastern, Southern, Southwestern, all doing Reformation-themed events. And then study tours. And so we're all, we're all doing study tours. That's one of those yeah. things where I'm not a seminary person, but I kind of wish I was because that would be a fun right. thing to go on. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's really neat because they are, I mean, they're open to students to go on and to take a class with it. So that's great. But they do also open it beyond that. So local church members or even people who are not in the area where the seminary is, uh, anyone can go. Well, and this past so, summer, the trip to Oxford, I think that right. Southeastern, Southern, and Southwestern, I think we're all on. Did together. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they did together. Uh, Dr. Gaines showed up over there in Europe. Yeah. He was over there at the same time. Yeah. Tagged along part of that, so. Yeah, so it's it's a really great opportunity, and it's an opportunity to be with people who have a lot of expertise in this area, so you're not just there with a guide who takes you by and says, here's the church, you know, but you're actually with people who teach this and know a lot about it. So just a great, great opportunity among uh, a lot of other, a lot of other resources and things that are out there. So uh, we'll throw Baptist Press put together a great just sort of package, you know, article that told all the the things that SBC entities would be doing over the next year. And uh, so we'll we'll stick that in the show notes along with uh, the articles from the last couple of stories as well. Yeah, and this is going to be a bigger story than just Southern Baptist. This is going to be a big right. evangelical and Protestant-wide right. uh, thing. So I know there's a lot coming. I think there's even a Reformation study Bible coming at some point. So yes, it, it'll by be the kind time... of neat to see all this. We'll be yes, reformationed by time, out by the time it gets right, here. Right, by yeah. the time it comes around next year, we will have all been saying that word a lot. Yeah. All right, moving over to the States. In Colorado, get your ski boots ready uh, because Mark Edlin is retiring as the Colorado State Executive Director. He's been there since 2001 and has, been, and has announced that he will retire in July of 2017. Another state. Uh, state convention opening coming up, and this is another one of the you know state kind of frontier states uh, out in the west. He he has some great commentary in this article where he talks about uh, when they when they talked to Mark Edlin, he talked about Colorado that it's kind of like uh, two different states, uh, an urban eastern half and a rural 
western half. And so uh, their main office is just outside of Denver, but they have a regional office in the the western side of the state that really focuses on, you know, serving churches there. So it's like two different areas, two different mission fields. The state has a total of 350 Southern Baptist churches and church plants. And um, over the past 15 years, they've increased uh, the number of established churches by about 40. So a lot of great work has been done out there in Colorado. We uh, we know some people who are planting churches out there. Mm-hmm. We know It's some- a hotbed for church planting for NAM. They've got yeah. six catalysts out there in yeah. the uh, Colorado area that are really pushing for church planting. Right. And, uh, you know, we were in Denver a few summers ago uh, for an event, and I just remember walking around in the afternoon, and you can just really sense the need for churches there. And uh, even in Denver, which is is a place that has more than, you know, the other side uh, of the state. But this is, you know, we're we're grateful for Mark Edlin's contribution, uh, but it will be interesting to see uh, what happens next. Yeah, and I'm going to try to get Mike Rout on the podcast here shortly and uh, talk to him about the contribution that uh, Mark Edlin has made uh, out there. Mike yeah. is the uh, the president of the Colorado State Baptist Convention and also a former chairman of the executive committee of the the right. national executive committee. Right. So yeah. I've met Mike, a good guy and a, a great leader out there in Colorado. So I'd like to, love to get his thoughts on this and the future for Colorado Baptist out there as well. Continuing westward is uh, the Nevada State Baptist Convention annual meeting. They increased their budget. Get this, Amy. Nevada increased their budget by $160,000 this past year. Wow. That's pretty incredible. That makes their 2017 budget uh, just a little over $2 million. Yeah, so almost a 10% increase in their budget. In some of the southern states, a 10%, you know, 8 to 10% increase would look like, you know, a couple million dollars. Uh, but out there in Nevada, I mean, you know, maybe $160,000 doesn't sound a lot to people down here in the south, but out there for a western state like that, it is a really, really big deal and a really exciting time. And they're going to keep their budget unchanged at 50-50 CP giving. Yes, and uh, the, they also elected officers. Ted Angle, who is a layman at uh, a right. church in yeah, at like Fellowship that. Community Church in Reno, he was elected president by acclamation. Um, he was the vice president for the past two years, and he is a retired natural resource specialist for the Bureau of Land Management. So yeah, um, of course, we're grateful for the contribution that our Southern Baptist pastors make in leadership roles all over the country. Uh, but it's really exciting to see when a lay uh, person steps up into one of these roles, because it's just a great way to see sort of the body of Christ uh, working together. Also, Damian Serencioni was named the vice president. Uh, He's the executive pastor at Shadow Hills Church in Las Vegas. Thank you for saying that last name, because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able (laughs) to I may have missed it, but that looks like Serencioni to me. I, I always tell people, just if you don't know, just say it with confidence, and then everyone will just, yeah. you know, think you did it right. But yeah, uh, yeah. so that's uh, sounds like they had a great meeting, passed a couple of resolutions on uh, political involvement, as well as one on on marijuana, which I know is a, a, a really big discussion out in the West. Were they for it or against it? Um, I believe they urged a no vote okay. on just recreational checking. marijuana legalization. So, yes. Uh, no surprise there, uh, but anyway, I think they had uh, they had a great meeting, and so we're glad for that. All right, moving, continuing westward. We're, we're kind of running yes. out of westward, you know, states. 
Uh, but yes. in, Cal- in California, they celebrated the 22-year tenure of Fermin Whitaker. Uh, Fermin, like we mentioned earlier in the, the year on the podcast, he is retiring effective February 28th. So this is his last annual meeting as the executive director of the California Southern Baptist Convention. And they also elected some new officers, and I'm excited to see this. A.B. Vines elected the California Southern Baptist Convention State Convention President. And also for the vice president, Amy, would you like to take a shot at that one? Victor, it starts with a C. Yes, he's a senior <laughs> pastor of an Anaheim, of First Southern Baptist Church in Anaheim. Uh, Victor, C-H-A-Y-A-S-I-R-I-S-O-B-H-O-N. Uh, Chaya Siri Soban. <laughs> Yeah, folks, we're going to just remember, we we always put links in the show notes to these stories. If you can go to that story and somehow get the correct pronunciation to us, Jonathan will send you some product. He'll send you a book or something. Also, they approved a budget of $14.5 million, including a a cooperative program objective of $6.8 million uh, for the third consecutive year, which includes a 34.5% split toward the SBC. They're, they're moving up every year a half a percent to try to get to 35% uh, whenever okay. that will be reevaluated in 2018. So uh, they're, they're moving slowly. They're getting it up there, though. And they also removed Bayshore Community Church in Campbell, California, because of their inclusion of LGBT lifestyles. Right. That, and it was not, you know, sometimes these are, are situations churches come up uh, because they sanction a, a marriage ceremony or something. This was a, a statement that they put on their church's website. So we see these from time to time and they we haven't had one of those in a while. Um it's been a while since we've talked about a church being removed from an association or a convention. It seemed to be a lot going on about a year ago, but recently yeah. not so many. But I mean I would say also this is kind of the time that they're having to actually do the the business. So they may have talked about it more in California. I'm not sure. But um, anyway, the, these come up from time to time. Also, they did hear a report about the executive director search. Monty, uh, Monty Setzler, who uh, you and I know, reported that they've been doing listening sessions and they're ready to move into the next phase of seeking uh, the man God has chosen to lead California Baptists in the future. And so they are taking names of potential candidates for the next few days. So they want them submitted by uh, November 7th. Yeah, you better get uh, those so in quickly. <laughs> yeah, so they're moving. If you hear this over the weekend, folks, if not, Get that resume it's too late. cranked out yeah. quickly. Um, but it sounds like it was a great uh, a great time, and, and I see that uh, Carlos Whitaker, who is a, yeah. a Nashville local now, uh, but is the, the son of uh, Fermin. And People's Choice Award winner. Yes, for a fantastic video, uh, YouTube video that went viral of, uh, some, a funny, uh, funny moment with his family. Um, but you should throw that in there. Yeah, I mean, when I we mentioned stuff will. like this, you should find yeah. that. That's, that's great. I love that little clip. Anyway, uh, I know that was special to have him there as well. And one final point of news from the States in Ohio, and we don't have a link for this, but, uh, we've been talking to the guys up there in Ohio, Peyton Hill and Jeremy Westbrook been in touch with those guys this past week. Uh, Unanimous vote for Ohio to go 50-50 beginning next year. This came from the bottom up. This was pastors pushing this in the state saying, this is important to us. This is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to help you walk through this as a denominational leadership and the state convention. And uh, they worked with them and said, this is something we want to do. Made it a priority. 
things got changed in Ohio. So congratulations to Peyton Hill, Jeremy Westbrook, and all the guys up in Ohio that, that worked. I know a lot about this. I had a chance to sit down with Jeremy Westbrook, who serves on the executive committee uh, of the SBC, and uh, talked to him a few months ago and just uh, just heard his heart on this. And it was exciting to hear uh, pastors you know, going for this and yeah. saying, look, this is important to us, and getting people on board. And, and making change happen in the state. Yeah, and this is great. Um, and Chad Keck, who was our uh, second vice president this year uh, of the SBC, he was a, mm-hmm. a big part of that yep. as well, of that movement. So uh, really, really big week for them. And I know we'll we'll have even some more follow-up uh, on th- when the release comes from that meeting, but it's nice how social media lets us kind of see what's going on while it happens. All right, Amy, we're starting a new interview series this week with the college deans from our Southern Baptist Seminary colleges. Uh, up first is John Mark Yates from Midwestern College. Today we are glad to have Dr. John Mark Yates with us. He is the dean of the college at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and uh, has a Ph.D. in history from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and has degrees from Southern Seminary, Oxford University, and the Criswell College, which I am also a graduate of. So uh, a fellow right. a fellow Criswellian. Is that, is that the right word? Right. I don't know. There needs to be a word. Well, though, we'll stick with there? that. How about that? Criswellian. Okay. So give us a quick, just a 30-second overview, you know, the elevator speech about the college at Midwestern. Awesome. So the college was founded roughly around a decade ago to serve a need in our area and in our community, especially for those who were trying to train for ministry, but serving in bivocational roles. Maybe they never finished college, and it was an opportunity for us to um, meet those students where where they were. Plus, in addition to that, we had a unique opportunity to work with the International Mission Board to um, to train students to go overseas in a very unique way. And so with a combination of those two things, uh, God allowed us to uh, uh, open up a school that is now four-year uh, accredited college degree that uh, allows students to come who are training for ministry and um, and really be able to maximize their time. So if you know that you're called to ministry, this is an excellent opportunity to get a head start really on uh, where uh, God could be taking you for the future. Now, generally, undergraduate programs are often broader than the typical graduate programs at seminaries. How does the college fit into the goal of preparation for service to the church? As you know, our slogan as Midwestern is for the church. So we do everything that we do strategically to help uh, our students be able to connect with the local church. In fact, it's the end church that we want to always keep in mind uh, as we're doing everything. So for our students who are doing, who are participating in the college, uh, they're earning a degree in biblical studies or Christian ministry or intercultural studies. And they're focusing in on what does it take to lead the church or to be leaders within the context of the church environment. On top of that, though, we understand that the future of ministry is bivocational. And so whether one is platforming internationally uh, for the gospel cause or whether it's the case that um, God is going to lead you to pastor a church of 40 to 50 people in your neighborhood, you need to have that opportunity to be able to platform. So we offer students uh, opportunities to earn double majors in business and the humanities and um, uh, counseling and psychology and music that gives you broader access to different career fields so that you can do both. You can serve within the business world and you can also serve within the context of the local church. 
Now, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier in your opening uh, about one of the distinctives uh, of Midwestern, and that's the fusion program the, uh, in partnership with the IMB. Give us a little overview of the fusion program and all the other things that make uh, Midwestern unique. Excellent. So Fusion is one of our our premier uh, opportunities for students. We uh, see students who, uh, whether at youth camp or uh, maybe through the dynamic ministries in their local church, uh, understand that God may be calling them to international missions. Well, what Fusion does is we work with the IMB to create a very intense training process for every student during their fall semester. We help them understand what does it take to navigate uh, a foreign culture? What does it take to work within uh, an international context? Uh, what is a language that you might be uh, needing to learn? And we put them into little small teams, cohorts, usually of three to five students who are training for a very specific field. We then, uh, as they're going through this process, we begin to refine their training so that they are completely ready by their spring semester to go and take the gospel to unreached people groups uh, all around the world. So this isn't a, uh, a training where, hey, you get to go on a two-week mission trip and, uh, you know, by the way, it's on the beach or something like this. This is for students who are really ready to do hard things for the gospel. So we work in relationship with field personnel uh, through the International Mission Board, and our students literally go to the ends of the earth to share the gospel with people who've never heard the name of Jesus before. And that may be uh, in a village in remote uh, section of Southeast Asia. That may be in a smaller town in Russia. It could be a mountain people in uh, southern Mexico that have really never even heard the gospel either. We're doing everything we can to help students reach out into areas so that it maximizes actually what the International Mission Board personnel on the ground are doing. So it's a fantastic opportunity for any student who is wanting to pursue that. But I'll say it again, it's hard and it's hard work. And so uh, all of those students start uh, their program there uh, with that in their freshman year, and then they finish out their degree uh, with either an Associate of Arts in Intercultural Studies or a Bachelor of Arts in Intercultural Studies which then they can use to work with uh, international sending organizations like the IMB or even beyond. Now, SBC seminary graduate programs have traditionally reached far more men than women. How do the collegiate offerings provide an avenue for women to be more involved in educational training in our seminaries? That's a great question. So because our undergraduate framework has such a broad base, whether it's the Bachelor of Arts in Christian Ministry uh, or even the Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies or Intercultural Studies, we are uh, comprised of quite a few women and men. It, it's a pretty good mix on our campus. And, and that is because uh, in our uh, context and in our framework, our students are looking beyond uh, just the traditional pastorate, which we would say is uh, something that's specifically called for men. But they also are looking at ways that they can serve the church through counseling ministries, through, uh, through family ministries, through international service. And so all of these things broaden the spectrum way more than what you would see or expect perhaps in a traditional seminary context at the graduate level. Now there's often a perception with seminaries that they don't offer a quote-unquote traditional student experience that many expect with a college life. In what ways does Midwestern College promote the typical collegiate experience within its Christ-centered framework? 
I love that question. So we are always working to try to connect students to uh, a dynamic campus life. Now at, at Midwestern, um, we don't have a typical uh, campus life actually that that would look like going to a university. And to some respects, we see that as an advantage. Our students are actually focused on on what they're doing. It doesn't mean that, that we though take away and remove any aspect of uh, fun or uh, community environment or other things. Our students uh, are involved in intramurals that we have set up um, on campus. We have uh, monthly events with campus life. Uh, we have different worship gatherings and events and, and students are doing quite a lot on campus as part of campus life, but it's not traditional in the sense that we don't have sports teams. Uh, we don't have uh, some of those aspects that some people really resonate with when they think in terms of what campus life is. Uh, there may come a day in the future where that would be something that we uh, would absolutely love and enjoy to be able to do. But as of today, that's not what God's given us. And so we tend to emphasize instead uh, all of the, the things that a student can do in our community and in our environment. And it's fantastic. Our students uh, enjoy uh, participating within broader things. We had a group of students who uh, just uh, two weeks ago on campus, we ran a 5K for the nations and uh, we all uh, worked in, in the funds that we raised for that helped went helped to go towards uh, the mission work that our fusion students are going to be doing and um, engage in different events within Kansas City. Kansas City is a dynamic city as well which allows students to participate in all of the great things here, everything from sporting KC uh, MLS soccer to the Royals and the Chiefs and, uh, and, and just being able to experience life within this community. Now, one of the great benefits uh, that many, I don't think, really realize about the Southern Baptist colleges here at, on these seminary campuses is the affordability. Uh, you get a private school education for a less than public school cost a lot of times. Absolutely. And what that does, because of the gifts and generosity of all of the churches within the Southern Baptist Convention, we're able to uh, reduce the cost of training for these young men and young women who are coming into our college. And what this does is it allows them to uh, attend at a very, very economical rate. So in our state, in Missouri, we're actually the most affordable private school in the entire state. Um, and we are actually less than many of the state schools uh, in our state. So even for in-state tuition. So this gives people an opportunity to be able to look at, um, can you afford college? Yes. Can you afford quality college with uh, outstanding faculty, with outstanding um, uh, in, in biblical worldview, absolutely. And uh, again, this gets us along the line and gets us um, moving in that direction. So it's a it's a huge benefit. And I tell you who else benefits from that is our uh, our non traditional students. So there are a lot of people uh, in the Midwest who maybe they started their degree or uh, they just kind of got going a little bit and then they never finished. And there are all kinds of ways that we can help students who maybe never finish their degree get to where they were originally going and get that degree finished. And so uh, it's a way that we can invest in the local church by encouraging those who are taking classes and being able to do that. Another advantage that we have uh, is that we actually uh, participate in some of the, the loans, that federal loans that students can 
get and earn. And we, while we encourage students not to take out any debt for education, because of our participation in that program, it also makes federal grants available. And so we like students to be able to embrace those federal grants, which reduce the cost of undergraduate education even further to where it is very affordable for most families to be able to send a student uh, or for an adult to attend uh, our college. All right. Well, where can uh, the listeners connect more with Midwestern College? You can do the uh, connect with us best online. You can go to www.midwesterncollege.com. That's the direct uh, place that you can go. You can also find us at uh, mbts.edu uh, and then click on the college link there. And that is a quick way to get there. All right. Well, John Mark, thank you so much for your time today and appreciate everything you're doing up in Kansas City at Midwestern. Hey, thanks, Jonathan. It's good to be with you today. Thanks for that, Jonathan. I'm really uh, glad that Dr. Yates was able to, to come and share some more about what they're doing there, about the fusion program and more at Midwestern College. Uh, so it sounds great. Yep. So we've, we've got a couple of these in the can. I'm working on getting a couple more. Uh, up next, next week is a guy I know that you know. And that's Jamie Dew at oh, uh, yeah. Southeastern, the college at Southeastern. So that'll be next week here on the, the episode. You want to hear these. All the seminary colleges have kind of a unique flavor to them. Right. And a unique uh, perspective on things. So uh, all similar, but all very distinct at the same time. And uh, we had a good time to talk to those guys. Uh, I've talked to uh, John Mark Yates. Uh, obviously, you just heard that. Uh, Jamie Dew and Matt Hall up at Southern. So uh, working to get some interviews with the guys at Southwestern in New Orleans. So we're, we're working to finish out the, the interview series, and hopefully I'll have that soon. But you'll, you'll hear the next two, the next two weeks uh, from Matt Hall and Jamie Dew. All right. Before we continue, I want to remind you and thank our sponsor, The Expected One by Scott James from B&H Publishers. Check that out at Lifeway.com or Amazon.com or at any Lifeway Christian store and uh, get ready for Advent and get ready for the, the coming of the Christ this fall. That'll bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy? blow our minds let's go back to 1983 so this yes so this is that's not going to be election related if you're doing 83 the election is this week it's not my resources election related though okay okay i found several election related stories but none of them came up to the surface and then i saw this one and i just had to do it so on um october 30th 1983, Sunday. So that was actually like the same, the dates line up with the days of this year too as well. Uh, The members of Bellevue Baptist Church, the largest Southern Baptist congregation. Yes, largest Southern Baptist congregation east of the Mississippi River, voted to move from their 76-year-old Midtown location to a 265-acre site bordering I-40 just east of the city limits. They have 265 acres? Yeah, that's what Keith said when I read it, too. Wow, yeah. that is amazing. So there's a, is a story uh, by Roy Jennings in Baptist Press uh, back uh, back uh, in, in 83 that uh, Adrian Rogers, he was pastor. They had 14,000 members at the time. He attributed the decision to the cost of property that they desired for expansion in their present location. So they needed to expand. The property cost... Um, in uh, the Midtown area, uh, I'm sure was just part of it. And uh, then they discovered, they, they, he said that the, the possibility of building elsewhere was new when the church discovered owners uh, wanted $2.5 million 
for two acres that they needed for expansion. And they said, wow. that's not going to work. So uh, they couldn't understand it. They were frustrated, uh, but the Lord put it into their minds to investigate property in other places. And the Lord began to, he said, God began to open property to us. It became as easy to secure new property as it was difficult to buy the property near the church. Um, so there's just a, a whole story. And, and he says things in here like, uh, we want to win and baptize at least 10,000 persons. We have a burden for world missions and want to contribute at least $20 million uh, to that cause. So he talks about some of the goals that they have. And um, it's just really neat. And of course, as we know, uh, now uh, Pastor Steve Gaines, Dr. Steve Gaines, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention currently is the pastor there. They're known for how they reach their community with their uh, big initiative that you hear about all the time, Bellevue Loves Memphis. So moving out of downtown did not mean that they really moved uh, away from their community or that their their hearts didn't stay in the entire city. They do uh, so much to make an impact on that area. And so, but I, I remember back long time ago, I was down in Memphis for some um, high school sports tournaments and drove by Bellevue for the first time. And it was massive. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Uh, and that was when Dr. Rogers was still living and was the pastor there. But uh, for those of you who have been there, you can know uh, that where it sits now and all of the things that they have done in that location all started this week in SBC history. Wow. There's also an interesting story in this uh, release from Baptist Press yes. about cleaning house at the Baptist College of Charleston, which I think is Charleston Southern now. Um, affiliate. Yeah, yeah, is it, it not? is, I guess. I guess it okay. is. Yeah, so, I mean, like, they fired everybody. So yeah. they, there's some a lot of movement going on in this edition of Baptist Press. Bellevue's moving, yes, and so are all these other <laughs> people. Yeah, and then when you go down, there's a um, a story about a Senate vote, um, about the annuity board, things like that. So usually, or oh, restructuring when, at the annuity board. We right. just saw that a few months ago. Yeah. So usually, when we send, uh, when we put these in, you know, the entire this is back when Baptist Press actually went out. It was mailed out to churches. So what they have done at the Southern Baptist uh, Historical Library and Archives is they just scan these PDFs. So when I share these. Um, with you, you don't just get the story that I share, you get every story in that issue. And so there's some good, uh, good uh, nuggets in all of them. Yeah. And a revivalist was blaming bad theology for a drought. Yes, I know. <laughs> Those are still going on as well. They, so. they are sometimes. So always, always fun. There's some fascinating reads in the, the old issues of Baptist Press. Uh, the Ohio executive had a heart attack as yeah. well. Well, it's um, it's pretty incredible. And women deacons, oh boy! Right, yeah. So, check it out. I end up in a rabbit hole every week when I'm on the hunt for but just no the Lawrence right Welk. Fit. Not this week. Lawrence this Welk week. Was, was last, last week. week. Yes, last week in SBC history. Yes. Lawrence Welk was at the at the Baptist Sunday School Board at the bookstore. Yeah, you keep bringing that up. Thanks. Yes. All right, that's going to move us to our resource of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Mine is a very interesting uh, website that I've just discovered. It's called The Living Room Candidate. It's put out by the Museum of the Moving Image. So 
I don't know how many of our listeners are getting tired of political ads, but I can tell you as someone who is living in a battleground. They ruined Game 7, by the way. They yes, ruined Game 7. That's what everyone said. I what What is interesting is I guess they were for everybody in Game 7, but we are, we're living in a hotly contested battleground state. As of today, I was looking at the polls, and they are uh, real clear politics has the average at a complete tie, just a deadlocked, you know, dead heat. So what that means is... That means your vote could tip the scale, Amy. That's not where I was going. Uh, where I was going was uh, we have motorcades in our state all the time. There are events happening everywhere around here and uh, the commercials are non-stop but if you're getting tired of the commercials or at least these commercials the museum of the moving image has uh, developed a website that i've just discovered and it has um, a huge archive of videos beginning in 1952 all the way to this year uh, 2016 with all the presidential campaign commercials throughout the years and that's fascinating. This is quite a rabbit hole because like if you go back to 1952, let me just say those commercials were not like the commercials of today. So today, <laughs> you know, today you're you're um putting out like it's putting clips using clips of of a candidate against them or or whatever these kind of montages back then they were real commercials. They're these animated jingles, you know, I like Ike kind of stuff. Um, there was, uh, there's one I, I was watching earlier about John F. Kennedy and why Kennedy, uh, is, you know, the, the one you want. And it was again, lots of pictures of him and then some, some little cartoon figures singing. they all have jingles. So it's just really interesting. The famous Daisy ad, uh, from the, um, from Lyndon Johnson's, uh, campaign as well as morning in America. So a lot of ones that people might know, and then just a lot of other ones that you've never seen before. So it's just kind of an interesting website to, to really get, uh, the kind of the history. So just a, just a fun resource. I'll have to go check that out because I, I, I you're mentioning these ads and I have no idea. You don't, I, I've heard the slogans, but I don't know the ads. You don't know what the, you don't know the Daisy ad? Nope. Do you know the Willie Horton ad? Nope. Jonathan, this disappoints me. You've got, you need to go in there. And I know basilmarceau.com. <laughs> I know that one. Yeah, that's a pretty strong ad too. But um, yeah, we have some very famous ads in our political history. And the, I'll, I'll give you this nugget. You'll have to go look uh, right. for the Daisy ad. But it was... Um, it was in the 1964 election, and it only ran one time. And it's one of the most famous uh, political commercials uh, ever. But it ran one okay. time on a like a NBC family movie. All right, my resource of the week is a new Chrome extension from Southern Baptist Pastor Jeremy Roberts. Uh, he's got a new Chrome extension. If you use Chrome... It's an extension that you install in your browser, and, and most people do use Chrome. It's the highest uh, market share of any browser, uh, web browser out there. It's like almost 60% of people use Chrome. Uh, whenever you open a new tab, it'll throw up a Bible verse. It's got you know really his cool. little link in there. In there. So I, I have uh, installed it on my machine, and it was kind of neat today. I'd, I'd forgotten I installed it. You know, I just installed it real quick, moved on, came back later, was working on something, opened a new tab, and... There's some scripture whenever I open the new tab, so it's kind of neat. We'll put a link to it. It you know it doesn't cost anything, doesn't do anything. It it doesn't really change the way you you operate online. It just pops up scripture whenever you open. That's a new really cool. A new what's tab. what's so, the name of it? 
It's called New Tab Bible Verses, a Google Chrome extension. So uh, we'll put a link to it. You can also search in Chrome. If you go to the extensions tab, you can search New Tab Bible Verses. Fantastic. But that's basically what it is. You open up a new tab and you get a Bible verse. That's really cool. And I mean, because if you think about it, you open up a new tab because I use Chrome and it just Google pops up. So now you've got this and I am installing it right now as we talk. Yeah. And if you need to Google something, you just type it in the search bar at the top right. and it does, it acts it. just like normal. So, uh, you know, no different there. And you just kind of go on from there, but it, it's just, just neat little thing that just pops up and there's some scripture every time you open your new tab. Very cool. Oh, there it is. Just popped up. See? Exodus, Exodus 20. All right. Well, that's the uh, Ten Commandments. Yes, it was at number eight, Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath oh, okay. day. I always that's do. Not, I love the that's Sabbath. That's not number eight, but that's the eighth, eighth verse, I guess, right? Right, the eighth verse, yes. Yeah. Okay, just checking, because yeah. that's not commandment number eight. Okay, so do you have big plans for, the, for this week? Well, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do on election night. Got some friends that are having a party, mm-hmm. a watch party. Tempted to go to that. Yeah. But if I go to that, that means best at home with the kids by herself. Oh, not and good. I yeah. don't think that's a good thing. That's yeah. not a good call there. So um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm just going to sit at the house and just text people, which it's pretty much every night for me. I've done the watch party thing before. Watch parties are not good for me because I like to talk and analyze a lot. And I don't like a lot of people talking loudly. I want to think. And so I've learned I just like being at my house. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be me at the house in the living room while my wife is sleeping, and I'll be up texting probably you and a few others as well into the wee hours of the night, or it could be over kind of quickly. Don't yeah. know what's going to happen. We It's really hard to know. I know this, that, you know, I, I used to always say, well, next week at this time, we'll know, and... uh uh, for That's those not of us, necessarily yeah, the case. For, for those of us who were really right in the middle of uh, what was going on in 2000, you kind of have this thought in your mind like, well, maybe or maybe in December there will be a scheduled concession speech and that's it. So, And we'll watch uh, vans carrying ballots down the interstate. Um, but anyway, it's going to be an interesting time. I, I have not uh, early voted. I think early voting is a great thing. Um, and I think I, I understand why everyone does it because of the convenience, but I really, really enjoy voting on the day. That's just very, yes. it means something to me. So Tuesday, I'm going to be standing in line for a long time. I'll have a book. Yes. I, um, I had to schedule a conference call with you on Tuesday and yes. for another so, thing right. that we're working on. And yeah. I had to make sure the guy that was scheduling the conference call knew that you were going to be standing in line sometime that day voting so to schedule right. it around your your voting yep so he he didn't really understand that but i know you better yes well he figured it out <laughs> all right that's going to do it for us this week we'll uh be back next week and we will may or may not have a new president so we'll see we'll find out uh next week and we'll see you right here on SBC this week all right see you next week <laughs>